How are you all doing today? This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host, Mike Boyd. What's up, man? Not much. Fucking enjoying this beautiful weather. I know. It's gotten warmer over here. Yeah. Yeah, just in California. We don't have uh, winter. Sub-zero degrees. Yeah, Texas is just fucking fucked we still have food at our grocery stores oh it's so fucked over there i feel so bad my heart goes out to you guys man hang in there hang in there power centralized heating in there so fucked what about the the windmills the The windmills the the oh yeah they're frozen now so now no one has energy or anything (laughs) well guess that didn't work out shit whoops (laughs) whoops as fuck today we have an interview we got some coal for you if you need it Today, we have an interview with Dave Dalton from uh, the Screaming Bloody Marys, and he also has a record label called Die Laughing Records. Sick. For sure. So, how you been? I've been good, man. Just stressed. I mean, work's a son of a bitch, but I'm not going to go into that. Yeah, we don't want to hear about your problems. No. And it's like, if you don't work in the logistics, you won't care anyway. What is good in your life? What is good in my life? I mean, fuck, dude. Employed. So that's always a positive second. I mean, it all it sounds like a broken record, but bitters are working on another fucking EP, so I'm working on that right now. It's all tracked. I just got to mix and master and do my thing. You guys are working on an EP. Another EP. We just released one in on, in December, and now we're starting up another one. You should, you, should, uh, you should submit that to Dave to our interview. I might. I mean, yeah, why not? You know, maybe Dave might. He'll he'll at least give it like about 10 seconds of 30, listen. 30 seconds. 30 seconds? I appreciate that, Dave. <laughs> then all of a sudden, that shit gets flung like a fucking Frisbee. Um, yeah, and then once we're done with this EP, we have enough material for another one. Awesome. Yeah, so all that's really positive. I mean, that, my podcasts are doing well. This one, my wife's podcast that I do. I got no complaints, really, man. Life's good. Life's good. I, I can't complain. A lot of people can right now, so I'm a very fortunate person. For sure. Good. It's good to How be about grateful. You? How about you, man? I'm doing great. Um, in, the, in the aftermath of our last episode, when we were talking about all the trademark issues with everybody, we've uh, we've managed to come to an agreement with the the psychosomatic spelled c-y-k-o-m-a-t-i-k from colorado springs uh he's a a rapper i think he does like kind of juggalo shit or whatever he's a really cool dude actually we had some real good talks and me with him and his uh a guy who does a lot of work with him mike ung his promoter and we came to an agreement where we're going to allow them to continue on and the reason why is because we really don't see any kind of uh, interference any kind of they're not i mean you could say it's phonetically infringing that is true yes but i don't think it's anybody's going to get confused by it especially when you do a search you're either searching with a psy or a c i don't think is going to be that big of a difference and you know they're really cool guys they're combat vets and they're they're awesome and i was like really happy to work it out with them and um unfortunately not all the other bands worked out that way a lot of them you know are uh just changing their name, which is not a bad thing to rebrand yourself, you know, to just start all over and, and make it something that's more fortified. We've talked to a couple of these bands and are helping them with their trademarks to, uh, so they won't be in the situation again. That's the important part. You big softy. You know what? I'm old. I don't want to fight. I'm at, I, 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 you know what? Argue. I think you did the right thing with a couple of these people. I well, really think you well, did. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like <sighs> not to pat you could, on the back too hard. Well, I could, I could, you know, it's okay. I, I really didn't do anything wrong, and I don't think anybody did anything wrong. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's no. doing anything wrong, and we are not out to, like, hurt people or artists especially because the music community is fragile as it is. So we, we're kind of just looking at it at the situation like, hey, they didn't know. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. It's not like they were being mischievous or, you know, and gnarly, yeah. but we... They all, weren't it, looking to rip you off. No, not no. at all. Not, in, not in remotely. And we did... This whole thing started when I think it was uh, somebody brought attention to me that there was a band called Psychosomatic, the Psychosomatics, that were had a sponsored ad on Facebook, and I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute, that's too close," you know. And I think uh, just protecting our intellectual property, there's a lot, of, a lot of casualties in this, and and we apologize. It's inconvenient. It sucks. It's something that had to be done, though, you know, because it's it's business and it's, it's part of the business, the ugly side of the business. And a lot of people could say, you know, hey, why don't you have psychosomatic in uh, Santa Clara County or uh, you know, psychosomatic in, in Oregon? And it's just kind of like ridiculous at one point. Finally, we just had to say, you know, what, enough's enough. I mean, 27 bands of the same name is ridiculous. I was like, no, nah, it's not going to fly. But, 
you know, it, it it's all the the big the big war that ha- that kind of sprung out, you know, with with their followers attacking us is pretty much ceasefire. And I, I really didn't want my crew to go at them, you know, because I could I I, I kind of felt for them. I felt like. How would I feel in that situation? I don't think yeah, I'd be you, any different. You, you, know you, I mean? you have an emotional attachment to the art you create. So exactly. therefore, if you one day you're you're plugging along doing your thing with your art, and all of a sudden someone just goes, right. and rips it away from you, you're like, what the fuck? Right. And, and, and that was the main thing is that it didn't really, after your you know, considerations and talking and, and figuring things out, we realized that, you know, there's there's really not much confusion going on here, you know? Maybe if there's a podcast that's about hip hop, maybe somebody might think they're talking about us, but it's highly doubtful, highly unlikely. Yeah. We're thrash metal, you know. We're always going to be either that or punk rock, but that's just it. Anyways, that uh, we, you know, actually, we did talk to Jeffrey Bremerman and Mike Ung about coming on the show, so hopefully that'll work out. Cool on the podcast, so that'd be great to just kind of bullshit and just wipe it all under the bridge. But we do have a sick interview. For anybody that loves punk rock and uh, old school, new school, whatever you like, this guy's awesome. He's been around for a long time, screaming Bloody Marys. He's been in a lot of different bands, uh, uh, Cell Block 5, bunch of different bands all over the Bay Area, Southern California. Die Laughing Records is a sick record label. Definitely uh, look, check out his page on Facebook and Instagram, wherever you can find it. And here we have Dave Dalton. How you doing, Dave? Very good. Very good. Doing good this morning. <laughs> awesome. Good to have you, man. Stoked. Yeah, it's been a while. Thank you, thank you so much. It's um, yeah, it's been a while. Last time I seen you was uh, about a year, I think a year ago. In um, you were playing the Blue Lamp, I believe. Yeah, when they had shows back in the long, the old days. <laughs> was are there shows? That's like a fantasy, isn't it? <laughs> Gee. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a questionable time. Speaking of which, yeah. how, you, how you been? Not bad. Just got got over this. Uh, I, I I took my COVID shot. For this coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, um, the second shot was really horrible. Oh wow! And to, today's the first day I'm actually alive and feeling pretty good about about things. What 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 was it like getting the first shot as opposed to the second shot? Oh, the first first shot was 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 really cake. You got in there, your arm is sore. You, you get home, you, oh, you do, you're just a little sleepy. So I took advantage of it and went to sleep. Uh, the second shot, like three weeks later, you take a second shot, and uh, so the arm is sore. About four hours later, you feel kind of loopy, kind of nervous, uh, flush, and then you go to sleep. And that that was the third day, which was, uh, I believe, uh, the day before yesterday. Uh, I don't know, it was Friday or something. I was in bad shape. I oh, felt like wow. I, I felt like I was crippled, aching. I had like sand. My my eyes felt like sandpaper. Oh so so cold. I thought it was my. my you know when you're when you're real cold, Jeff. Your teeth rattle like that. That that that. It was like that, Damn. and it was almost to the point. I you know, I, I thought I was gonna die. But then you know what? I, my temperature is one hundred two. Went down. Then you take Tylenol and this that. Now. Today's really good today. I really am enjoying myself today. So, wow, yeah. that's that's crazy. You know, I was I was gonna go in and get mine too. I'm now I'm all scared. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, some some people some people go through it on a breeze. They get a little aches. Some people, you know, they get really messed up. And I got I took they gave me Moderma. Moderma, I guess I should have called. Um, and I'm good. I'm good now. So I feel like you know, and my doctor called me the other day and says, you know, you're going to be getting this once a year. Oh, wow. That's, it's like taking a flu shot until, until our country is just rid of it more or less. We live with it now. So that's about it. You know, that's it. That's crazy. Wow, man. You said you got, you got, you got microchips and uh, biological weapons. Oh in there, yeah. Right? I, I, I got alien, I got, <laughs> I got alien virus me. So. Right, right. Now you're going you're gonna to sprout a tail and some horns. Nice. That's good. That, that's evolution right there. You know, and then, you know, I've been, I've been getting me through those hard times. I listening to, I have a lot of vinyl. I collect a lot of bootlegs and BBC rock hour stuff. And I was listening to that and I felt really good. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. Good. Yeah. Good to hear, man. It's good that you're, you're yeah. bouncing back. That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so how's, uh, how's life in San Francisco going? I mean, I know that there's no shows, but you know, what's, what are you doing to keep busy? 
Well, me, I well, I I I work on the um, a record label, the Die Laughing Records, and I work in a, you know, I, I keep busy on that part. And then uh, we started up a new label called Chicanery Chick Records. Jillian runs that. Nice. And so we we signed a few bands like the the Dogs from Detroit and the Checkered Hearts. Man, those guys are they're part of the Pandoras. Nice. And now we're going after Vice Squad. We've been talking to Becky Bondage and uh, and Paul. Very cool. And, and Die Laughing is it, 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 I love it a lot and we're we're merged with uh, Golden Robot Records out of Australia. That's our muscle and PR. Okay. Uh, but, you know, and I, I, you know, I kept thinking that you know, people keep sending me tapes and stuff, or, you know, and that's cool. I listen to everybody's music. You know, if I don't get past 30 seconds, I'm not into it. Right. You know, um, I do want to bring, I don't know too much about metal because I always get a lot of metal bands and I don't know how to market them. Mm-hmm because my my heart's more the punk rock alternative but but it, you know i do like a little bit of the metal out there um i, I don't know i'm gonna get confused but when i grew you know in the 70s you know, i went to go see black sabbath or i would go see bands like that to me that was my hard rock metal i guess you know so um, that's a good point for some of the the, the up-and-coming bands that are listening if you going to submit your your demos to a label put your hardest hitting stuff in the first 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> well you know you know you know and i don't want to be um jaded and stuff um you know and i i think all music is, is beautiful man you know again i don't know how to market rap or country right um and i like some of that stuff and and metal um I do some metal I really like. I do like the the Machine Head. Those guys are good. Yeah, they're great. I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, we had Chris Contos on here a couple times. He's awesome. He's fun. Oh, he's a great guy. I remember Chris was uh, the drummer for Verbal Abuse with Scott Scotty. Yeah, Wilkins, and that was a fucking badass band, man. Fuck yeah, yeah. We went down that road too, and that that was in a. I think that was in one of the early episodes last season, which is really cool. So, uh, um, Screaming Bloody Marys, your band has a pretty long career. Tell me, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we started. Uh, we actually, the band started about '89, towards the end. Um, before that, was in another band called Dick and Jane, which was me and Fudgy, the guitar player, became um, Screaming Bloody Marys. That's when. And the Marys formed, I formed Die Laughing, because back in those days, uh, there was uh, really no labels that would sign bands like us, you know. You had to make your own label, and all the punk bands and metal bands did that. So we started as a four-piece, um, and then uh, Fudgy wanted to be a lead singer, and then we got Wes, this guitar player that played with Gigi Allen. Well, Wes is past and gone, but... Uh, uh-huh. And so we put out our first single... On, and it became Die Laughing Records, the first vinyl. And um, we started making noise around the city. We, we got to play some real nice shows. We got to play, of course, with Verbal Abuse with Chris Contos, uh, East Bay Rays Band, and all, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then after that, we went on tour up north. You know, everybody in those days <laughs> went up north to Seattle and Canada. <laughs> that was a big tour. And we... And then what happened, we came back to San Francisco and I was walking down Valencia Street, me and Fudgy, walking down Valencia Street. And then we ran into Jello, uh, Tim Yohannam, Maximum Rock and Roll, and Jeff Bale. And they go, hey, man, uh, John from Sympathy Records out of Long Beach want, wants to put a single off for you guys. He liked your first single. And I go, okay. You know, back in those days, Jeff, we didn't have no cell phones. We had no, <laughs> we had no computers. So we had a bag of change. We had to go to the phone booth and just feed that phone booth a ton of change. And by chance, we became a good relationship with uh, Long Gone John of Sympathy for the Record Industry. I don't know if you know that label. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good. See, this is why I like talking to you. (laughs) Well, I'm old too. (laughs) (laughs) Some people go, what? You know, so you have to mention who was on the label. Right. So after that, you know, we, we slept around, did tours across the country. Uh, and then uh, Maurice and Steve Soto, God bless his soul. Yes. Uh, we sent the tape to Dr. Dream Records out of Orange, 
County or Orange City or whatever it was. And uh, we just sent tapes back in those days, and they, they picked it up, and they uh, they called us several weeks later. By chance, I, I, lift, I picked up the phone, and, hey, this is uh, Steve Soto, this, that. Um, we want to give you guys a contract for this tape. You know, I go, okay, cool. You know, say set us up a show in, in, in Costa Mesa. And uh, it was really nice. Uh, the next day, went to, to the office and gave us a contract. We signed it. And then uh, they, they paid for East Bay Ray three, three or four weeks later to come down to master our stuff. Because we, we already had a tape made, but they needed the master. So they, fly, they flew them down. East Bay Ray came in their studio and it was a big deal for us, you know. So after that, it just we went on tour. We got to tour Europe and stuff, and came back. And you know, Jeff, I, I got really tired of it. Sure. About ninety six, ninety seven, I just got burnt out with the label. I got burnt out with the band, and I love those guys. So I drifted in and out for years and years of being an acoustic player. Playing in the hardcore band, Cell Block 5. We did a lot of work on that one. That was nice. Yeah, I saw you guys. Yeah. I saw you guys a couple of times at Cell Block 5. I saw you in Monterey and in Sacramento. And, what? Uh, yeah, I saw you guys. I think it was the Monterey Music Fest. Were you at that? Yeah. Set? Yeah, I was there. I remember uh, the Jean Benet Stranglehold. I was really good friends with those guys. Oh, and, and, man. And speaking of which, we are going to have uh, the frontman 8-Ball on our oh. show too eventually yeah. oh. i talked to him recently he said he'd do it so we'll get him on here too so he remembered you and he told me to tell you hi oh man that's that's rad i mean uh damn this i'm glad i talked to a human being like you that knows because <laughs> <stuff. laughs> yeah. sometimes you talk to people that interview you got to explain to them then you got to interview them right you know? exactly <laughs> totally no yeah. but it all worked out jeff and we broke up so I was in cell block five. So the band called uh, the old cheeky bastards with Michael Melinda. He was uh, editor in chief of guitar player magazine. We did some records together. Nice. And then, uh, uh, then I, I was getting depressed, took a few months off. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, I get a phone call from a guy named Landon at covert. And, you know, he's the tour manager for the Kennedys, you know, and I got him that job. Nice. And, I mean, he's been very nice to me. And, we, you know, we go, we headbutt. I love that guy. So he calls me and goes, hey, look, Dick Manitoba, the Dictators, is doing a reunion at, at Slim's, and he wants Screaming Bloody Marys involved. Because he, he came to our show at the Paradise Lounge, uh, like in the 90s, and dug us. Him and the Lunachicks came in and watched us play and dug us. And so we went to play Slim's, and I didn't have a band, the Bloody Mary, so I just... Got Juan, my old guitar player. He's he he died now, and we had Hans, a bass player, and I have Greg Langston from the the drummer for the Sea Hags and uh, nice. No Alternative. And then I was looking for a singer. I didn't want to do that singing, um, and so I found a, a nice young lady named Angelique Ecstasy, um, and she became our singer, the Marys, for several years. Yep, and then it worked out. And then we just started moving forward, and and then now that um, she had to leave, um, and it was okay. And then, oh wait, there's a fireman going back. Can you hear? Him? Yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's punk Sorry. rock. That's punk. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the whole thing was, in a nutshell, when she left, uh, we were going to do a. We were doing the show, the Crash Fest at the Metro Theater with uh, Poison Idea, the Adolescents, big show, two days event, oh, and we were on the show. So, I I go fuck. What do I do? You know, I, I don't have a, a lead guitarist because I kicked him out. Um, I said okay. So, a good friend of mine has become became my best friend, and I knew him as a kid. Danny Norwood, the lead guitarist of Social Unrest, joined us. Nice. Great and dude, great band. Holy crap, they're so underrated, man. Totally. I mean, I, I remember when those guys first started, they were like kids, yep. little kids. And they were way ahead of themselves, man. I mean, they're out of Hayward. But um, getting back to Danny, he lives like four or five blocks away from me here in Alameda. And I just say, hey, man, uh, you want to sit in and do a few songs? Yeah, man, I'll do that, you know. And as time went on, I kind of bamboozled him. And he goes, Dave, I was supposed to do a couple of songs. Now you have me doing a whole set. What good? He was laughing. 
So I wrangled it in and I debuted my vocals with the Marys at Crash Fest. And I did, I think I did very well. You know, Sam McBride came up to me and goes, hug me and goes, man, you got to be the singer. And then I had a um, Jerry A from Poison I Terry come up to me. I've known Jerry for years. So now we're here and um, we're getting ready to do some big shows down south and the COVID hit. Uh, <laughs> God, crash and burn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it pretty much blew up the whole fucking music scene, and it's just a bummer. I mean, uh, I would say entertainment in general, really. Oh wait, unless yeah. unless you're a unless you're a multi-billion-dollar sports team, then it's okay. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, uh, Jeff, what we did, we we the the band. Jamie is an official official member now with us, and Greg, nice. of course, it's been with me. He's you know been with me since. Uh, for almost five, six years. And then I have a bass player, uh, John Hansen. He's in a band called Savage Resurrection. And uh, it's a good unit. So all we're doing, every week we rehearse in, a, in our own studio. It's really safe. And we're just writing a new record, a new album for Golden Robot Records because they signed my catalog, me, and everything else. Nice. So they're taking, they're taking care of me. You know I mean? That's really good. And one of these days... We should do a show together, the Marys and Psychosomatic. Well, I thought we were going to do one. It was, uh, you know, I write in Santa Cruz. Yeah, and... with the dwarves. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, No, man. I, well, you know, I what happened? I don't want to bitch on the, the promoter, but um, yeah, I'm, you know, I got the dwarves to the, the promoter. goes, hey, man, I don't want to mention any names. But he goes, uh, can you get the dwarves? And I go, yeah. I, I, Black's like one of my best friends, man. Nice. He's been on a lot of my records. And so I, I tell Blag about this guy, and he goes, and Blag always calls me the name the pastor. Okay, pastor. I'll, I'll talk. <laughs> That's an inside joke, because I was, I was kind of like their tour manager during the Blood, Guts, and Pussy tour back in 91. Yes, it's a long story. Yes. <laughs> no, you, can, you can, know, we had him on here, so you feel, feel free to talk about Blag. He's great. <laughs> Blag's gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes like, it rule, though. Oh, awesome. I, I got I got to say something about Black if he hears this. <laughs> um, I'm, I did an album called The Hobo Circus, and the fifth year anniversary is coming up, and he's on the. It's it's called The Unfortunate Bastard with Friends Hobo Circus, mm -hmm. and I have ba I have people like Bill Collins on there. I have Knox from the Vibrators, you know, semi-acoustic, yeah. and I got uh, Black Dahlia on there, and I you know, I gave him some CDs, and then. Every year he goes, Pastor, where's the fucking vinyl? I mean, can, and I have to kind of put him off. No, and Black here now. Here, this vinyl's coming out this year. Right. It's coming out, orange vinyl. You'll get a copy. So I had to say that. But um, yeah. So what, what, what was what was I talking? Well, it was about? just funny because you sounded just like Black when you said that. Where's he the goes, fucking vinyl? Where's the fucking vinyl? And then there's funny thing I wanna. We played our last one of our last shows before the COVID. We uh, our my booking agent Covert Landon, it's my agent. He put us on the Dead Kennedys TSOL the Dwarves MDC show at the UC Berkeley Theater, and um, it was amazing going downstairs to this backstage. It was so crowded, and all I hear is "Hey, Pastor! Hey, everybody! Look, it's the Pastor!" And it's Blag. I'm going, "Oh shit!" Yeah. So go in there, and, and I. I and all of a sudden, I hear this guy go, hey, Dobro, man. And it's Nick Oliveri from Queens of Stone Age. Nice. <laughs> <'Cause, laughs> you know, it's just great to see these old friends, Jeff. You know, um, It's really great. And then you have a guy like Dave Dichter come up to you and goes, Dave, I want to put out an acoustic record. Would you pick it up? I go, yeah, man. Just, when you're ready, I'll sign you. I don't care. Mm -hmm. you know? But, you know, I love Dave. He's in and out. He'll surface once in a while and... Hey, you know, <laughs> oh, they're you know, one, one time we played with uh, with MDC on my birthday and those guys, stayed ah. at, those guys stayed at my house and, <laughs> and they were literally watching American Hardcore on DVD. I had it and we put it on and they're like, 
it was, I mean, God, it was, they'd probably kill me for saying this, but it was so funny because they were just ripping on everybody on the show. That guy's full of shit. No, he's awesome. They were going off on everybody. It was hilarious. <laughs> Dude, I, was rolling. I was sitting there on my couch going, holy shit, I got these, I'm watching these guys on TV and they're sitting right in my room, like watching the show, laughing and ripping at everybody. I was, it was great. I was like, wow, what a birthday present, right? <laughs> Old punk legends. Oh, that was great. I, I think one of the, one of the, I was in a band called Dick and Jane. It's a, uh, it's almost like a quirky Romeo Boyd band. Nice. And I started that. Well, me and Linda Zeiss, X Y Z, that's her last name, Zeiss, and Fudgy. We started. We're a three piece with a drum machine. That's okay. We're going to do a drum machine on stage, and we played a lot of big shows. We we played the Gilman show with Green Day, before Dookie came out. We mm-hmm. played with the Dwarfs there, uh, Blast. Then we, we did one of the one of the all time great shows we played. We uh, we got invited to open up for Johnny Thunders and the Oddballs at the Berkeley Square. Nice. And uh, Johnny was very kind to us. And there was a band on there called Nag Nag Nag, some glam uh, metal band, I don't know. And they were going to supply the gear for Johnny. So I come in with my JMP Marshall and all that bullshit, you know, and we had our shit together and Johnny goes, I don't want to use this carbon shit. I want to use, <laughs> I want to use that JMP and that Mesa boogie, that this, that, whatever. And he goes, Hey, yo, Dave, uh, you think I can use it? And I'm, yeah, you can use it. I don't care. Man. So he, <laughs> it was kind of insulting because he's saying that in front of this, this band, you know, so the funniest thing, Jeff, we're sitting down, uh, at this table it was before soundcheck and linda ordered a pizza because we we're hungry me and fudgy and her so you ordered a pizza some sodas and and um so we sat down and started eating pizza and then johnny has this beautiful blue or green shark skin lame type of cool suit he looked like uh, rudolph valentino man i mean so he goes hey uh yo dave you think i can get a slice of pie yeah man sit down enjoy us and he, he pulls out a couple of 20s. And I go, no, you can keep it, man. Don't, no big deal. So we started talking about his children, life, how he's getting clean. And, you know, I got to tell everybody out there, when he played that show, he was not on junk. He was just medicated pot. Right. That's it. But uh, that was a fun show, Jeff. You would have liked it. You know, I, I had some I, – I am an experienced drug user myself, and I, I'm clean now. But I remember having like a piece of a tiny bit of an edible marijuana-like cookie, <laughs> and it <laughs> fucked me up. So, I mean, dude, I'm talking like a crumb of that giant-ass cookie, and it put me down <laughs> on the ground for like a day, dude. I was done. And I was like, I don't know how these kids do this shit, man. Because, I mean, we, just, we would just smoke a joint and be cool. But these guys are just, like, smoking this, like, weird, like, wax-looking shit. And they're, I, I, can't, I can't even touch that shit, dude. I'll be dead. That'll, like, I'll overdose on pot. <laughs> I, I think that my drug of choice back in those days, I, I wanted to medicate myself. Well, I did pot, you know. Sure. I did, one, I did an acid, and I said never again because I didn't like the tracers and the weird feeling. Oh, sucked. I, I think uh, my, my drug of choice, um, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a junkie. Right. I did. I did dope heroin. Yeah. Shot, yeah. shot that shit, man. And yep. I got. I even got cotton fever a couple of times, which is the worst. Brutal. Uh, I was in New York City, playing some shows out there, and I needed a fix. Mm-hmm. So um, this this guy took me to a thing called the Glory Hole, not the sex one. And you you pay like five six bucks, whatever. Right. And you're hoping that guy near the side of that hole is nice he's a nice guy because if he's not he's going to shoot you a water acid and you're going to die so when i put my arm in there yeah it shot me up and i got a nice little buzz and i it was dope and but you know the funniest thing i'm glad i never got infected right really like aids or you know the hiv or anything hepatitis you know um, shit. you know and now i'm really good and clean and sober and um i for many, 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 many years. Nice. I'm 67, 67 years old. Um, 
you know, I stopped dyeing my hair. I'm gray hair now. <laughs> you don't look a day over 50, dude. Seriously, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Thanks so much. I think, I think rock and roll keeps people immortal, to tell you the truth. Right? It does. You know, I was watching one of your tapes, live shows, I forgot where, on YouTube. Because when I, I want to... I mean, a guy's going to interview me. I want to know about him a little bit more. And I really liked your stuff. Dude, you're, why aren't you guys on big majors and your name is beautiful? You guys are fucking tighter than, tighter than the drum. I'm going, what the fuck? Well, thank then you. They, I in these majors, in these majors, sign these, and I'm not going to put any band down, sign these screamo bands and all this. Can't even understand what the fuck they're doing. And, I don't get it, man. Well, honestly, to tell you the truth, I, I mean, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. But I think what it is is to tell you the truth. Uh, we we never ever planned on that. You know, we never planned on even being signed. We when we started out in Salinas, we were the local party band, and I just happened to like punk rock and metal, and I kind of just did a typical thrashing. We were basically kind of, I would say, late to the party on the waves and the genres and where they go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. And, I, and I think that's yeah. what it is. But I, I stuck to one and, and I, I went through many different kind of generations and just stayed on that pipeline of punk and mm -hmm. metal. And, and, and it's just now we're refined and sure we could be on some, we've had some big opportunities, but I think we kind of blew them a lot. We, we blew off well, a lot of opportunities that came and we just kind of, eh, yeah, we, let's, Let's just party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Well, you know, I, I, I look at uh, these family trees. I talked to, uh, uh, I forget his, oh, God, I have a brain fart. Uh, uh, forget his name, Harold. I talked to Harold. He, yeah. used to, he was in DRI and all that shit, you know. Harold Oyman, yeah. Yeah, nice guy. And we talked one day, and there was like a family-type tree. You have the big metal, the big, uh, Ruthie N metal bands like the Metallica's and the Slayer and Megadeth. And then there's another section that goes to Exodus and right. further down, Attitude Adjustment. That's a crossover. And I see you guys in that part. Yeah. I, I see you there. Well, another, you know? another thing was is that Salinas was so separated from everywhere else. You know what I mean? It, it really yeah, was. I, I can see. I can see that because yeah. Santa Cruz was like as far as you it went, and then Monterey dried up in the like the early eighties. So yeah, yeah. after that, it was just like we didn't get any steam until it was like the I guess like the mid to late nineties, you know, and and that's, yeah, I, yeah, and that that was in that area, and then once we moved to Sacramento, then it was like boom. Then we started getting recognition like everywhere because we started playing farther and farther out. And once we started touring, then it really opened up a lot. So right. I think that's I mean, the difference between a lot of bands is they, they got to really tour to get noticed. Right. Yeah. Right. You you, you do. Because um, bands like us, we, we didn't come out of the early 80s or late 70s. Um, so we had a schlep during that time when we came out. I said the peak period, like 91, 90 to 94 yeah um it was that sub pop era the, the grungy more mm -hmm. or less stuff and we were kind of lumped in into the garage punk like the it was uh the bloody mary's uh electric frankenstein the ripoffs the mummies we were more into that they love were the mummies. Lumping us into that. i love the mummies they're such great and um <clears throat> what opened us up to get recognition we got the tour of the ramones like four or five days oh, um it's huge and we got the, the tour like uh, all kinds of bands. Everybody from the UK subs to um, Jesus, uh, the Dwarves. We did a lot of touring with them, and we got to open up a couple of times a Cheap Trick. Uh, That's really cool. And um, that opened a lot of doors. Um, and and I'm happy today, Jeff. I I really am. I'm you know in between playing and raising a couple of boys and working as a a, a teamster. Um, I retired about uh, 64 years old, and I, I came out good. So now I do full-time music, uh, I run a label, and I'm really happy. I'm blessed, man. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask you is um, when, when did you – because I know you started the label with the Marys, yeah. and then when was it to where at the point where you started signing other bands, and how did that start off? Okay, during that time, with during the Marys, I was – I was doing like split singles with bands like Derailer out of uh, Chico. We did a split single, I think, with a band. Oh, fuck. I forget the name. They're out of Sacramento. I forget the name of them. We did split singles and then we did some compilations. But that was a lot of work for us because we had no, back in those days, we had no publicity. There was, we had no 
computers and shit, you know? Right. Um, I think uh, when I came back with the Dick Manitoba reunion, three or four weeks later, I was, I was working with a label in Sacramento called Hellamad Records. And I've learned a lot of things from that label and from the young man. And I'd learned trial and error. So I, one day I was sitting um, in my room and I said, fuck, I'm going to restart and die laughing. I got a back catalog, you know, seven inch singles and so forth. <clears throat> so I made a Facebook, said die laughing records, a Facebook, no big deal. Right. And I started, and I started getting traction. And so I called my, my friend, Rob Trissler. He owned, he owned a label called Orange Peel Records that Cell Block 5 was signed to him at one time. So he knew that he knew how to cross T's and dot I's and he knew all the ins and outs and shit. So we he started a little website, and it was going pretty good. And I said, man, we got to get a distributor for this back catalog. Because no, not right now, not right now, man. And we fought both back and forth. So one day I went to uh, Gilman Street. Uh, I played I played an acoustic show there with a bunch of MDC acoustic, all this stuff. All the bands were there, and there was a young lady named Erin Cookman, uh, was acoustic player. And man, she blew me away, man. I mean, I said, fuck, I, I want to sign her. But I didn't know what to do. I go, I don't have a contract. It was all trial and error, man. So that was my first signing. And then I signed um, Bite from San Francisco, Chelsea Rose and Keith. And they were in the studio working with East Bay Ray, the Kennedys, on the record. And they go, hey, man, we need to get a label. Right? And he goes, well, go to Dave. Dave knows a lot of labels. I was flattering. So we signed Bite, this and that. And as time went, Jeff, um, we were doing something right because I, I started signing bands. And I'm, I'm fast-forwarding it now, years, a couple of years later. Bands are coming to me like Michael DeBars from Detective and Silverhead. And I signed him. Uh, there was a in Pearl Harbor from the Explosions. Uh, There's a bunch of people, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I've noticed on my label, somebody pointed out, you know, Dave, you have more fronted women women bands on your label and i don't know that you know i said well because I, I i didn't know that you know so after that it just started taking off man you know i do turn down bands because i don't know how to market them you know i don't know how to market certain bands but i think i'm doing pretty good i guess you know well some but i do i do want to do kind of a almost like filter off into a, a kind of a metal label I got to be very careful with that because I don't, I wouldn't, if some, some band came at me and gave me, I don't know, you know, metal more than I do. You know, the bands that when they sing, they sound like they're, they're frogs. Like, (laughs) 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 those bands, like, like they sound like they're, you know, the ones that are from Sweden, the black metal, I guess they call it. Or the Swedish, the black, the black metals guy, those guys are different. They go, ah, so it's, (laughs) You got you got the death I mean, the, the death Jeff, metals the low what? ones and the black ones the high ones. <laughs> I mean Jeff, I mean <laughs> my producer's dying right now. <laughs> I know I, I sound naive on that, but you know, in Cell Block Five when Cell Block Five first started, uh, I had a guy named Morgan Alm. Mm-hmm. Morgan Alm was the lead guitarist for for the band called uh, Silver Mountain, I think. Nice. And I don't know if you know that band. Um they're they're a pretty popular band in Sweden, and he told me all about the fights over there. The big dark metal band. One guy one guy killed a singer of another band, serving time in prison. And yeah, damn, they take that shit serious, man. Well, I I think I think what that was was that was a small group of friends that caught media attention and it blew up way bigger than it is. Because I wouldn't say the scenes like that. I just think yeah. early on. It's kind of like punk rock, you know, in the way how like Sid Vicious, how gnarly he was. It caught a lot of attention. Everybody yeah. just had the stigma. It's the same thing with that. It's not that all these black metal guys are crazy over there. It's just that a certain set of circumstances happened with a very small group and it caught a lot of attention. And then everybody just assumes it's like that everywhere. But that's really not the case. Yeah, I, 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 I'm starting to believe that because I, I, once in a while I look into it and I go, God, this stuff is really deep, man. It's it's dark for sure, and it was yeah. gnarly when it happened. Yeah. But but when you look at like like how small 
that group right. was it was right. i mean dude it's like our friends like it's nothing it's, it's not like it's big old wave surge of black metal like, it's just, right it's not, it's not true and you it, know go ahead i'm sorry go ahead go ahead well i'm just saying that like it, it, it kind of right the thing that really built the mystique of black metal is it did rival the i would say the the late 70s wave of punk rock it had that exact same anti-establishment theme right and, and right. violence and terror right. right if you go if, if you're like some guy coming home from work and you see like 50 kids walking across your lawn with mohawks and spikes you're gonna shit your pants and so it had that same <laughs> yeah, you vibe are. you know now they got yeah, now they got nails and makeup so it's even worse you know it's just... and it's like you know all the nails <laughs> on their clothes big nails on their clothes i mean dude i mean it's like you know when i first discovered punk rock to me, punk rock was like Pete Townsend wearing a boiler suit and his monkey boots and smashing his guitar. And totally. Give a fuck. And he's smashing some fucking expensive guitars. Now, you know, when people, when they want to smash their guitars, they'll take their beautiful guitar, give it to a roadie, and they'll get a shit guitar. That, that to me, is phony. Right. Um, so I think when I discovered the first waves of punk rock, you know, the Who Live at Leeds to me, and then I I went to Winterland here in San Francisco. You you probably remember that club. I don't know. Yep. Um, uh, and I, I I discovered bands like Spiders from Mars there, uh, T Rex. Um, what about? And then all of a sudden, what about the something What about the Jim, What about the Jim Carroll band? Yeah, Jim Carroll band. Yeah, he played in San Francisco too. Oh yeah, man. Um, he played at the Mab. Yeah, that's right. The Mab. I, I, mean, I, did, I, I didn't see him, but I was really jealous when I heard about that because it's such a cool punk band. Well, I got to see that, like uh, the Mab. I got to see some pretty good bands. I got to see Debo when they first played their Bougie Boy, and he was in a little playpen or a crib or whatever it was. Holy shit! That's that's early Debo. Then one day I was walking, one night I was walking down a Broadway, and then I was talking to a few of my friends, like Jimmy Crucifix and stuff. I go, "Hey man, who's playing here tonight?" Because there's all kinds of vespas and beretta and mopeds out in front and they go oh it's a band called the jam oh i went in there and yeah. i discovered the jam and i go motherfucker i got goosebumps and, <laughs> i mean these guys meant they meant business i got to see johnny thunders and the heartbreakers there uh it was a good thriving scene jeff yep. back in the days real punk rock I mean, when you had the stone, you would have like metal upstairs to be on Broadway to be to be hardcore downstairs to be punk rock, alternative, pogoing, and all that bullshit, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember one day, um, this is a funny story, Jeff. One night, you know how they have these uh, news, late news things, uh, twenty twenty, and all that shit. Um, they had something like that one night in nineteen seventy six i believe and tali savalas the actor goes you know england is dreaming and i was going what the fuck is this program about and here it is all these kids with all this weird spike hair and yellow and green and poking around i'm going oh my god who's that and it was the sex pistols fuck yeah and, dude i got goosebumps and i go and then there was a, uh, the subway sect and there was the damned i go what is this you know, I've heard about the Ramones and Iggy Pop. We all knew about that. But when I seen that, I go, oh, my God. So when they came to Winterland, which I seen them with the Avengers and uh, the nuns, <clears throat> it just I had long hair, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and I was just going, oh, fuck this. I, 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 was, I, was, I was sold. I was sold, man, because I, I couldn't play guitar that well. I just played rhythm. And Jeff had opened up doors, man. Mm-hmm. Totally. I got like this is the funniest thing. I, I had a credit card. After I left there, I went to the barbershop and got all chopped up. And then I go, man, I want a loud fucking amp. And I got my credit card, max that fucker. I got a fucking full stack JMP Marshall. Nice. <laughs> Badass. It's horrible. I mean, I, I I liquidated that fucking card. But things change, you know. You know, I I think when I first seen the Beatles as a little kid, I think I was seven or eight, nine. The Beatles to me changed politics, changed fashion, and some people don't like the Beatles. Okay, it's fine. It's a boy band. So it's, it's not like the Stones. But think about it. They changed a lot of shit, man. Totally. A lot of shit. I mean, you had a Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton. Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin's Creams, Jeff Beck Group, and it involved Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, uh, a band called Elf, which had 
what's his name? Ronnie James Steele was the lead singer. Um, all these things. Um, it's really interesting. And I'm going to ask you a question, Jeff. Who's your favorite guitar player right now? What do you think? What inspired you? All right, my new my favorite guitar player right now. Uh, yes, I would. Shit, I I don't have one in particular, but I have yeah, I have been listening to a lot of like uh, blues guitars. Like just oh, just okay. recently, I've I've, I've yes. just been into like a lot of like you know just really old like you know South Baptist style you know uh, yeah. yeah just real blues not like the rip offs you know like everything that's yeah. been ripped off yeah. and, and I've just been on a, on a little kick like that on how these guys even thought of it what kind of oppression thought of them to write the tricord to make it so uh, yeah. sexy and just kind of grab you so you can't leave you know and that's kind of what all of rock and roll in general and all its counterparts have stolen so yeah I, I couldn't say just one at the particular i, I would have to like because yeah. I, I you know i'm like you i got a flood of music it's just coming through me all the time and for all me to, the time yeah for me to pinpoint one would be difficult but one thing i did want to ask you yeah is is um you have a basically a new record label right and it's uh let's see right here damn it i had it here it is nope. it's a chicanery chick records why don't you tell yes. us a little bit about that Oh, that's Kennedy Chick Records. Uh, it was like, um, you know, Jillian, she's been working with uh, with Die Laughing for quite a while, you know, as Jill, an a Jillian Elizabeth. Very, Jillian Elizabeth. How'd you meet her? I met, let me see, where did I meet her? I met her, um, it was, um, I think it was Facebook one time I seen something, somebody, I don't know what happened. Somebody was giving her a bad time. I don't know. And so I say, hey, hang in there, kid. Be tough, you know, knuckles up, that kind of thing. Hell yeah. And we became friends on there, laughing a lot. Uh, that when I would get home, I would look forward to talk to her. And she worked at a um, she worked at a beauty salon as a receptionist or a bookkeeper, or whatever. And so one day, I was writing a letter to um, East Bay Ray from the Kennedys. Um, about a contract we're going to give him and my my fucking i can't fucking write a word it saves my life i have typos all over the fucking place man. <laughs> <laughs> right and i feel like a lame brain because i've been called out one time man i want you to learn how to go, go to school man well, who cares yeah and i said my i said fuck you i dropped out of school man <laughs> yeah, exactly. i went to i went to a steel mill and worked fuck, fuck yeah me, man so the whole thing was, nerd <laughs> I know. so so all of a sudden uh, i go hey uh jillian can you cross the t's dot your eyes very and she goes yeah i can do that very cool and she is very smart nice this, this girl can i mean she's smart so I just started giving her letters. And one day she goes, you know, Michael, the bars, the actor. Yeah. I'm going to sign him, you know? And I started talking about people that I booked in the past, like Kenny Reeves and Ian McLegan from the faces and this and that, whatever shit, you know, bullshit talk. So one day um, I asked you, Hey, you want to join die laughing? And I talked to my partner and he said, yeah, that's cool, man. So it was like a year later I asked her to join so she's got a percentage of the, of the company now. It's very cool. She owns, she owns stock in the company. Um, and she's a hard, she's a ball buster. She don't fuck around, man. Nice. You know, I mean, she's not like a powder puff. Okay. Nah, man. If somebody's giving a shit, she used, she's just, a, she used seven dirty words of these motherfuckers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't mess around with these Chicanos, man. No, man you cut don't, your head man. off. <laughs> and, she's, and she's got hardcore gypsy in her, man. You know? Nice. So, so the whole thing was, we, we go, we're going to move up the couple of years. So about during the COVID time, you know, she's, I said, why don't you start a, a label? And she goes, I don't know anything about a label. Yes, you do. You, 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 let's just make this. Because I wanted to make things go, entertain, just keep the midnight oil going. I said, you know, I, I, I said, Jillian, I talked to Fatty. I call him Fat Mike Fatty. I call, I talked to Fatty, and his ex-wife used to own, uh, I think, Black and Blue Records off uh, 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 Fat Records. And I told her the whole concept of it, the whole structure. So... One way or another, uh, we started doing the Chicanery Chick. I know Golden Robot wasn't really wrapping their head around it, but 
you know, I love those guys. I love Mark. He's such a great guy. But at the end of the day, I have uh, the upper hand on that stuff. Nice. So I said, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take a gamble, Jeff. I, like you would take a gamble of playing a certain song that your maybe your mates may not like. Right. But you take a gamble and it pays off, man. So I did that with Jillian, and um, she she has she's she has an LLC under Die Laughing Records, protected. Nice. She's got a, she's got a big majority of she's got full autonomy, and she signs bands with my. My, you know, I, I kind of gave her a little bit of a, a guidance on who to sign. Because at first she was bringing these, all these bands out of the woodwork. I go, no, 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 this and that. But some way or another, she's she's catching on. She's got it. So we got the dogs from Detroit. She signed. She's got Checkered Hearts. Those guys are great. And then she's going after Vice Squad. Nice. I mean, I'm going, holy crap. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you, well you nailed it earlier when you said they got to be marketable. You know, yeah. you, got, you, got, you can't just throw your money away. They got to have some oh. kind of, you know, following numbers help and want to work. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of hard work and stuff. And there's times with Die Laughing Records, me, Rob Trisler, and Jillian, we we headbutt a lot. You know, we headbutt to the point that we hang up <laughs> on a phone call with them. Fuck this, and I hang up on. <laughs> it's part of the label. You, I hate fighting, but sometimes. You do that with a band. You you have a band, Jeff, and sometimes you guys headbutt. I'm sure definitely, I do. Definitely. You know, I, I I don't I won't cut cuss at my members, but I, I do headbutt. Um, so but no, Chicanery Chick is really doing good. The uh, Golden Robot now has lots of respect for it. They know what's going on, and you know Mark has a lot of respect for us these days. Um, he knows I get the talent, and he likes that. Um, I don't know if you look at Golden Robot's roster and stuff. You know, he he's got some rock bands and metal bands and you know bands that I've never heard of, but they're doing good. You know, well, one, um, one mention that you also had with uh, Die Laughing, which I thought was really cool, is that you 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 uh, you released American Nightmare from Fang, and I know they recorded that a while back, but it was really cool that they put that on your label. It's got an insane, insane yeah. album cover. Sammy's a good friend of mine as well. He's been on here. So yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a really good record, a good, a strong uh, release for you guys for sure. Well, well here's the thing: when I my first uh, Sam came up to you on the he was running a tattoo, owned a tattoo shop here in Alameda. I've known Sam for years. I've known fucking years. And one day, out of the blue, he messaged me, "Hey Jay, can I, can I talk to you?" Yeah, man. So I called him up. What's up? He goes, "Dude, we have a record called it was that man, the album called Rise Up we put out." And I told him, he wanted to call it Fang. I go, no, 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 don't self-title. That, that's Kiss of Death. So, But he asked me to, if I would take him on. And I told him this, Jeff. I go, I can't afford you, man. Nah, I'm going to pass. Right. Because I was just, I was, you know, I was in a risk mode then, you know. So then two weeks later, he goes, Dave, I want you. Come on, take it on, man. <laughs> All right, I'll take a risk. Uh, you know, because I, I, I didn't know how to market it. I was kind of afraid. I was kind of afraid of him, but he's just a sweetheart. I'm powder <laughs> Yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> you know? and, and, and you know what? We all have pasts, right? All of us right. do, for sure. Know, you know the thing is with, with Sam. He did what he did. Right. You know, he served man's justice. Yeah. And and God, he's got to talk to God. I think God's going to be okay. Um, but I don't want to get into his politics on that. I, I I actually was in a band with Sam called Saddam's Angels on Molt Soda Record. And we did a, an EP at the Pound, recorded from at the Pound in San Francisco. And there were songs, I think there was a, there were songs that it was almost uh, not racist. Because the thing is, we all wore these hats. You can't see our faces, right? Right. And in the band, I had an Asian uh, guitar player. I have a Jewish drummer. I have a you know all right. these ethnic groups, and people thought we were racist, but we're, the joke was on you, right? You know, and I got that seven and single. Pick it up on these days. It's Salam's Angels Live at the Pound SF. Definitely, that, was, getting, that was a mis- yeah, it, 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 It's on pink vinyl and mold soda. But getting back to to uh, Fang, yeah, uh, we put out Rise Up on CD on um, Digipack, and that thing went out the roof, man. That thing went, that thing went sold, man. Um, and then we did another pressing, and I said, "Well, fuck, let's put out a 12-inch." Because with Sam, you can sell anything. Yep. 
it, and so we put out the 12 inch rise up vinyl i think went to the roof and then he came up to us to rob and we put out some most of us catalog now we we signed most of us catalog awesome and and then the new album's coming out they're recording he's in town right now as we speak um we're going to put out a new, another 12 inch towards the end of the year and his bass player uh brandon brown um has a band called let it bleed and it's a split seven inch with his band and fang on a seven inch the pre-sales start this week super sick um, dude you're gonna love this stuff i mean really jeff you're really, you're really gonna love this stuff can't wait um, I love Fang. They're like, I love those guys. You know, yeah. I, I, like when I put out the Vibrators EP, I think sold really well. You know, um, then now I'm putting out some other bands. I don't know if you like. I think I might have told you, Michael the Bars, Silverhead. You look, you should look them up. They're like a glam rock band with Nigel Harrison on bass from Blondie. Nice. It came I matter of fact, we talked to Nigel uh, on the phone uh, last week, me and Jillian, about the contract, and he's excited. Um, so, but yeah, Fang is like my, one of my best. I really love them guys. Oh yeah. I got it right here. Silverhead. Yeah. Silverhead. And then, then Silverhead broke up. Michael went with a band called Detective on Swan Song label, the Led Zeppelin label. They actually picked him up right away. He's got history. And Michael was in that, he's in a bunch of movies with Clint Eastwood. And wow. Uh, he was in MacGyver, the series. Uh, it's funny. He, he, he I like talking to him. He gets kind of weird. Something goes, you know, Dave, you got to do it like this. And <laughs> when I, I sent Jillian, I said, you're going to be his A&R. She goes, okay, since no, no problem. She goes, God, Dave, he scares me. He goes, Jillian, love, this is how we do it. <laughs> He's such a debutante, man. Totally. That's awesome. You should you should interview him one of these days. You should interview. Him. I'm down to interview anybody that's weird. That's I, I, I don't want to get boring interviews. I think got to be weird. <laughs> that's Michael. <laughs> For sure. And Michael will talk about he'll talk about everybody. He'll talk about Ian Hunter, Mick Ronson, Jeff Beck. He just goes. Oh yeah, talk. that's awesome. <laughs> you know, my favorite my favorite guitar player. Uh, I got two of them. Uh, uh, Why well, three? All time. I'm like you, Jeff. All kinds of guitar players. I, I do like for the riskiness and quirkiness. I love Ron Wood. Nice. He's the most sought off, sought after guitar player on the planet. Everybody wants him on his record or whatever because he's Ron Wood. Right, he's Ron Wood. I think out of the the big three of Jimmy Page, Clapton, and Beck, Jeff Beck beats them all. I would say Ron Wood's probably the most underrated. One of the yes, most underrated. Thank you for sure. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. I mean, you, you gotta know. be. If you're not a Stones fan, come on, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Hit, hit the road. I mean, especially I mean, if you're not a Faces fan later, man. Right. You know. But uh, no, I think those. And as far as the, the the punk rock guitar players of all time, um, is East Bay Ray because of his surfy, echoplex sound. Yeah. And and Danny Norwood of Social Unrest. Nice. Those, yeah, East Bay Ray's got that. He's got that weird like, like. A, you know reverby kind of just like you said surfer like it's it's yeah its that, own that, thing that, yeah that's a that's, that's a, a thing called the echoplex with a tape it loops as you play it just makes this wow 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 you awesome. know very cool it, you know uh, um you know i took him to a guitar swap meet um the four amigos here in marin county years a couple of years ago and all he was doing was looking for tape because that tape's hard to find for sure and and so I'm walking around with him, and some kids got—he <laughs> was pissed at me. <laughs> some kid had a DK shirt. You got DKs? Oh man, the best man in the world. Look at the guy next to me. He goes, and the kid goes, "Who is that?" He spray Ray. Go, what? <laughs> they were swarming him. He looked at me. He goes, "Fuck you, Dave." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's the worst. You know, we had a, we played a show here in Sac. I got to say this and. <laughs> I think it was Jared from Machine Head was in the crowd, and the guys from Havoc were like, "Here's Jared. Why don't you guys go say hi?" And he was like, "Fuck you!" He was like flipping off the. <laughs> I mean, they're friends, but it was hilarious, dude. Oh my god, uh, it's amazing and and stuff. And um, you know, I'm I'm glad I, I get to talk to. Uh, I mean, I like all the interviewers, but you're like down to earth, real. Uh, you know, you can actually talk about music, and there's a person like you that knows what the fuck's going on well i think when you do it 
you know, you're getting you're interviewed by somebody that's actually done it as well. It's it's a lot more like relaxed and kind of down to earth when you when you get interviewed by somebody that has no idea what it's like to be out there and put all your whole life's blood into it. Then it's well, yeah, it's a little weird for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're in a fucking cargo van touring <laughs> yeah. from like you're you're like, you're going from like um to the outhouse in Kansas, or you're going to be playing the rat sculler in Boston, or you have to leave Idaho to get to new Orleans for the next show. And that's, that's pushing like a motherfucker, different drivers and stuff. You're basically like a carny. Exactly. Like, hello. I don't know how else to say it. You're like a straight carny, but anyways, we're going to wrap this up, but but, but thanks for coming on, Dave. We really appreciate it. You bet. And I want to thank you for having us. And, uh, yeah, I'm gonna let's do a show together one of these times. Mary's in the psychosomatic. Definitely. Okay. Dave, All right, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Oh yeah, Dave Dalton. <laughs> hey, where can, I, where can I see this uh, interview or hear oh, this I'll, interview? I'll send you all the links so you okay, can share. Man, thanks, yeah. Thanks but, a lot, Jeff, and thanks a lot, engineer. <laughs> <laughs> say, say, you can say. And the mic's on. All right, Dave. Hang on, oh, real right, quick. Man. Hang on, real quick. Dave yeah. Dalton. Okay. Well, that concludes our episode. What'd you think, Mike? I think it was good. I love that interview, man. Yeah, it was good. Uh, he's got all that history with like Blag and everything like that. It's funny to he's hear got, those fucking stories. He's and got shit. tons of history. We'll have him back for sure. Because I, I, I don't, I didn't get it enough. Like I was like, we gotta get more out of that guy. His brain's got so much history of California punk rock. I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it. So, uh, we'll be back next time, next week. Hopefully, everything's going good. We will see you soon. Stream anywhere. Stream this everywhere. Like, share, subscribe. The Jeff Salgado Show. Thank you, guys. Peace.